everybody. So I want to talk about, this is congress.gov. This is the 117th Congress, 2021-2022. This is the HR 77, Protecting Our Election Workers Act of 2020. The sponsor for the bill is Representative uh, Scanlon Mary Gray, Democrat from Pennsylvania, uh, hyphenated five, introduced February 3rd, 2021, committees, uh, House, hyphenated judiciary, latest action House, uh, April 23rd, 2021, referred to the subcommittee on crime, terrorism, and homeland security. The tracker, it's been introduced, it has not passed House, passed it to, it has not been sent to the president, it has not become law yet, it's just been introduced. So, I want to read the text of this. It says, shown here, introduced in House, February 3rd, 2021. This is 117th Congress, the first session, H.R. 777, to amend Title 18, United States Code, to prohibit the intimidation of election officials and poll workers and for other purposes. In the House of Representatives, February 2021, yet again, Ms. Scanlon for herself, Mr. San Nicholas, and Ms. Norton introduced the following bill, which referred to the Committee on the, on the Judiciary. A bill to amend, again, Title 18, United States Code, to prohibit the intimidation of election officials and poll workers and for other purposes be it enacted by the Senate and House of Representatives of the United States of America and Congress assembled. Section one, short title. This act may be cited as the Protecting Our Election Workers Act of 2020. Section two, intimidation of voters and election officials. A, in general, section 594 of Title 18 United States Code is amended. Number one in the heading by adding at the end of the following election, official, election officials. Number two, by striking whoever and asserting A, intimidation of voters, who's whoever, and three, by adding at the end of the following, B, intimidation of election officials and poll workers, whoever intimidates, threatens, coerces, or attempts to intimidate, threaten, or coerce any other person for the purpose of interfering with such other person's duties in connection with the administration of an election described in subsection A shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than one year or both. B, clerical amendment or table of sections for chapter 29 of Title 18 United States Code is amended by striking the item related to section 594 and asserting the following. All right, so it's just been introduced in the house and Yep, it there's been there's been like one committee, um, and you know what that is, and you know who the two sponsors are. Um, I really am glad that I in, that I'm reading this to you. I'm gonna try to find more as. I keep talking to you, but I truly, truly am able to give you more information now. Yay. 
This is H. This is elect. This is HR six eight seven to election work and polling place protection act. This is the sponsors: Representative Levin Andy, Democrat from Michigan, hyphen at nine, introduced February twenty thousand twenty two committees House Judiciary latest action. House referred to the House Committee on the Judiciary. The tracker is introduced. So this is the one hundred seventeenth Congress second session. This is um, to protect election workers and polling places being enacted by the Senate and House of Representatives of the United States of America and Congress assembled, Section 1, short title. This act may be cited as Election Worker and Polling Place Protection Act, Section 2. Election Worker and Polling Place Protection, Section 11 of the Voting Rights Act of 1965. This is 552 USC 10307. It's amended by adding at the end of the following F, and then it says one. They both put it in parentheses. Whoever, whether or not acting under color of law by force or threat of force or violence or threat upon any person or property, willfully intimidates or interferes with or attempts to intimidate or interfere with the ability of any person or any class of person to vote or qualify to vote or to qualify or act as a poll watcher, any legally authorized election official, any primary special general election, or any person who is or is unemployed by an agent, contractor, vendor of a legally authorized election official assisting in the administration of any primary special general election shall be fined not more than $5,000 or imprisoned not more than one year or both and if bodily injury results from the acts committed in violation of the paragraph or such acts include the use, attempted use or threatened use of a dangerous weapon, explosive or fire, shall be fined not more than $5,000 or imprisoned not more than five years or both. Pause. I do want to say that I, I appreciate the direction they're trying to go and yes i do support the election worker and polling place protection act and i do support the protecting our election workers act of 2020 i think also when it comes to the penalties um we do have to consider that violent assaults have varying uh, time periods of punishment. There's there's diverse sets of retribution that comes to that according to each state and according to each county, right? So for some, it could be you could get I'm just making up an example. You might get 10 years because they're like, hey, you slap somebody. And in our state, if you slap somebody and the evidence is overwhelming that you did this, you could get 10, 15 years. So we have to consider that if, let's say, on average, you get about 15 years in jail. Look at the average of each state, and then that's how you round it up. And you can say, well, based upon the common number of states, based on the average, mathematically, we were able to conclude, let's make it at least 15 years. 
So find the common denominator number and you'll know how many years to legally punish somebody. And let's say in another in, in a state commonly, what if it's higher than five thousand? No, nah, all right, you gotta pay twenty-five thousand dollars because you find a state with a common denominator of wow, you know, twenty-five thousand dollars is the average. So deduct like not deduct but examine no you can say deduct okay deduct from what you see and make that the average so if the average is twenty five thousand in fines based on state crime laws for violent assault slap somebody make that twenty five thousand and add the fifteen years is the average in terms of state prison jail time okay i'm sorry that was redundant state prison time is much better Okay, so number two, whoever, whoever, whether or not acting under color of law, willfully, physically damaged, or threatens to physically damage any physical property being used as a polling place or tabulation center or other election infrastructure with the intent to interfere with the administration of an election or the tabulation or certification of votes shall be fined not more than $5,000 or prison not more than half their vote. And bodily injury results from actually a violation of this paragraph, or such acts include the use, attempted use, or threatened use of a dangerous weapon, explosive or fire, shall be fined not more than $5,000, in prison not more than five years of both. Three, for purposes of the subsection, de minimis damage or threat to de minimis damage to the property shall not be considered a violation of this subsection. Four, for purposes of this subsection, the term election infrastructure means any office of, of an election official, staff, worker, volunteer, or any physical, mechanical, or electrical device, structure, or tangible item used in the process of creating, distributing, voting, returning, counting, tabulating, auditing, storing, or other handling of voter registration or ballot information. G. No prosecution of any offense described in this subsection may be undertaken by the United States except under the certification and writing of the Attorney General or designing that, one, the state does not have a jurisdiction, two, the state has requested the federal government assume jurisdiction, or three, a prosecution by the United States is in the public interest excuse me, and necessary to secure, excuse me again, sorry, hey, I'm human, <laughs> Three, a prosecution by the United States is in the public interest and necessary to secure substantial justice. So, I am very much in favor of these things. Um, and the reason why I felt the need to discuss this is because I've noticed um, that election workers have not been protected, are not being protected as well as they should. So, um, let me read more. 
Justice Department launches task force to combat threats against election workers, July 29, 2021. The Department of Justice has launched a law enforcement task force to address the rise in threats against election workers, administrators, officials, and others associated with the electoral process. To protect the electoral process for all voters, you must identify threats against those responsible for administering elections, whether federal, state, or local, said Deputy Attorney General Lisa Omanako. A threat to any election official, work, or volunteer is a threat to democracy. We will promptly and vigorously prosecute offenders to protect the rights of American voters, to punish those who engage in this criminal behavior, and to send the unmistakable message that such conduct will not be tolerated. The FBI will not tolerate threats against any federal, state, or local election worker participating in the common goals of safeguarding electoral process and the rights of voters, said FBI Deputy Director Paul Abate. From election administrators to volunteers to vendors and contractors, threats against any one individual is a threat against us all. The FBI's mission is to protect the American people and uphold our Constitution, and protecting our democratic process is paramount. We take this responsibility seriously and will investigate any and all federal violations to the fullest. The task force is leading the Justice Department's efforts to address threats of violence against election workers and to ensure that all election workers, whether they be elected, appointed, or those who volunteer, be permitted to do their jobs free from threats and intimidation. The task force will receive and assess allegations and reports of threats against election workers and will partner with and support U.S. attorneys' offices and FBI field offices throughout the country to investigate and prosecute these offenses where appropriate. Organized and led by Deputy Attorney General Monaco, the task force includes several entities within the Department of Justice, including the Criminal, Civil Rights, and National Security Divisions and the FBI, as well as key interagency partners at the Department of Homeland Security. The Department of Justice needs the public's assistance in remaining vigilant in reporting su suspected threats or acts of violence against election workers. To report suspected threats or violent acts, contact the FBI at 1-800-CALL-FBI-225-5324. You also may file an online complaint at tips.fbi.gov. Complaints submitted will be reviewed by the task force and referred for, and referred for investigation or response accordingly. If someone is in immediate, if someone is in imminent danger or risk of harm, contact 911 or your local police immediately. For more information regarding the department's efforts to combat threats election workers, read the Deputy Attorney General's memo. And it's because it's two pages long, I absolutely will. Guidance regarding threats against election workers. U.S. Department of Justice Office Deputy Attorney General, the Deputy Attorney General of this Washington, D.C., June 22, 2021. Miranda for all federal prosecutors, director, Federal Bureau of Investigation from the Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco. Subject, guidance regarding threats against election workers. In recent months, there's been a significant increase in the threat of violence against Americans who administer free and fair elections throughout our nation. As the Attorney General stated two weeks ago, there are many things that are open to debate in America, but the right of all eligible citizens to vote is not one of them. The right to vote is the cornerstone of our democracy, the right from which all other rights ultimately flow. For this vital right to be effective, election officials must be permitted to do their jobs free from improper partisan influence, physical threats, or any other conduct designed to intimidate. The Department of Justice has a long history of protecting every American's right to vote will continue to do so. To that end, we must also work tirelessly to protect all election workers, whether they be elected officials, appointed officials, or those who volunteer their time against the threats they face. The United States Attorney's Office and Federal Bureau of Investigation are critical to fulfilling this obligation to safeguard the electoral process. 
to protect the franchise for all voters who must identify threats against those responsible for administering elections, whether federal, state, or local. A threat to any election official, worker, or volunteer is at bottom a threat to democracy. We will promptly and vigorously prosecute offenders to protect the rights of American voters, to punish those who engage in this criminal behavior, and to send the unmistakable message that such conduct will not be tolerated. I am confident that you will meet this obligation to investigate all instances of election-related intimidation. To assist with this important effort, the department is launching a task force, including members from the Criminal Division, the Civil Rights Division, the National Security Division, and the FBI, to address the rise in threats against election officials. More information on this task force will be communicated to your office in the coming days, including a toll-free hotline for members of the public to report election-related threats. Until then, please work closely with state and local officials to encourage threat reporting if you are currently investigating or learn of allegations of threats against election workers in your district. You must contact John Keller, Principal Deputy Chief with the Public Integrity Section of the Criminal Division for coordination and guidance. Okay. How to protect election workers is Brenner, Brennan Center for Justice. Uh, the big quote is, we can't have a functioning democracy if we don't have election officials who feel safe to conduct free and fair elections. Over the past year, election officials across the country have come under attack, facing increased harassment and threats, and have been scapegoated for election outcomes that some politicians and voters did not like. A new report from the Brennan Center and the Bipartisan Policy Center outlines concrete steps that lawmakers, administrators, and internet companies can take to protect election workers. An associated survey of election officials found that one in three feel unsafe because of their job, and nearly one in five listed threats to their lives as a job-related concern. Lawrence Norton and Liz Howard, two of their reports co-authors, helped place these findings in the context. In your paper, you cite a survey about the threats election officials have faced in the past year. Can you put those numbers into context? Norton, after any election, you'll have some people who are unhappy with the results, and even some people might complain about conduct of election officials, but for the most part, Election officials are in the background during elections, and that's where they want to be. They're the referees, not the players. The 2020 election was different in large part because you had some very powerful voices, including, of course, Donald Trump, who were actually pointing to election officials and expressing their unhappiness that the system was unfair to them. Election officials were brought into the public eye and have the ire of a segment of the public directed at them in a way that we have never seen before in the United States. It was unprecedented. Howard, these aren't just numbers. These are people. We have heard so many personal stories from election officials who've had to pack go bags for their children to leave their house or to pay for additional security measures at their personal homes. It's something I've never heard before. How do increased threats to election officials reflect broader attempts to undermine the electoral process itself? Norton. This started out as an effort to dispute the 2020 election, but has become an effort to undermine faith in elections, period. There's been a lot of work to villainize election officials. It goes far beyond threatening phone calls and harassment of election officials and their families and workers. It includes efforts to criminalize minor infractions, to replace election officials, to take away their ability to help their voters, and to impose penalties for taking actions to help their voters. These actions, along with widespread voter suppression efforts, voter suppression efforts are part of an attempt to discredit not just election administrators but elections themselves once you do that the question becomes why have elections at all 
If you can't trust elections, why have them? That's why we think it's so dangerous. On a personal level, it's very upsetting. We work with election officials all the time. Of course, Liz is a former election official herself. We know how much they did this past year, what a tough year it was for them. But it's also very upsetting for our democracy. How has this information intensified the threats against election officials? Ignored? This information is at the root of all this. You wouldn't have people threatening election officials And you wouldn't have legislators getting away with criminalizing election official conduct for what are minor infractions. You wouldn't have justification for most of the voter suppression laws if it wasn't for disinformation. So the lies about the election, about what election officials do, and about how elections are run are the foundation for everything that we're seeing. Howard, one of the most important things that internet companies can do is acknowledge that election officials play a critical role in our society and that they are trusted messengers. Our report includes a pair of recommendations. First, we believe that the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency is the right agency to spearhead a list of election officials and a list of social media accounts that are providing accurate election information. And the social media platforms need to partner with the election officials to identify elect effective measures to promote and amplify those accurate messages. Norton, election officials have, have said that disinformation on social media has made their jobs more difficult because they have to handle refuting all the social media disinformation, but it's also made their jobs more dangerous, recommending ways to promote accurate information from election officials. We also think social media companies could do more to stop the spread of disinformation. It's become clear that a small number of people are responsible for a lot of the spreading of disinformation. Social media companies have been a bit reluctant to push back against some of those accounts because they're often the most famous and the most powerful people have a lot of followers. As the Facebook Oversight Board has argued, and others have too, the rules should be applied uniformly, even to the most powerful. A recent political article warned of possible mass retirements by election officials and workers. What are the potential implications for American democracy? Norton, first with massive retirements, you have the potential to lose a tremendous amount of knowledge. Turnover is necessarily bad. It's good to get new people, and hopefully we can. But there's a lot of concern about whether we can hire people who are going to be good at the jobs and also committed to free and fair elections. Right now, there are people around the country running for office explicitly on the idea that if they were in power, they would have been, there would have been a different election result. That's very scary. The country's become so, so polarized and everything is defined around, are you with us or against us? But whatever you think about the polarization of the country, there shouldn't be sides in administering an election. Howard. Local election officials work where the bulk of our democracy really happens. They're largely the ones who interact directly with voters about how to register to vote, how to cast a vote, whether their vote counted, the accuracy of the election results, and about everything in between. Election officials often have a very close connection to their communities and to their constituents, including on a personal level. In Wisconsin, for example, some of the smallest election jurisdictions have only 50 people. The one election official knows everyone in their jurisdiction. These election officials work around the clock to protect our election, our voters in 2020, despite the pandemic, the misinformation and threats because of this connection to the community and commitment to civic service. Losing any one of the election officials who overcame all the 2020 obstacles to conduct a secure and free election is a concern. Losing a huge number of these experienced public servants is very upsetting and scary, but under the current circumstances, not surprising. So, 
Your paper outlines a number of reforms and solutions, starting with ones that involve investigating, prosecuting, and judicial threat and election officials. Norton. There have been exceptionally few prosecutions of people who have threatened election officials, even in some cases that involve damaged property. There's no question that these actions are illegal under state law and often under federal law. Lack of prosecution sends a message to the perpetrators that it's okay to do what they're doing. To this day, election officials talk about the threats that they're facing. Katie Hobbs, the Secretary of State of Arizona, recently had to get around the clock protection from state police because of the threats that she was receiving. There was a pipe bomb in Iowa polling place earlier this year, and there really have been very few repercussions for these threats. The Department of Justice has a role to play in addressing this issue. Changes are needed at the state and local level too. State attorneys generals need to make this a priority. States can pass laws to protect election officials to give them resources. It's ridiculous, but election officials have had to buy their own home security systems because they were threatened. They've had to flee their homes and figure out on their own to get their personal information off the internet. There should be resources to help them do that. What is one final takeaway from the paper that readers should remember? Power. Everyone has a role to play in protecting our election officials, which in turn is a critical component of protecting our democracy, both of which are under attack right now. Norton, we can't have a functioning democracy if we don't have election officials who feel safe to conduct free and fair elections. Sounds crazy that we have to worry about that in the United States, but that's unfortunately where we are at this moment. Key solutions. State and local election officials should adopt creative staffing solutions, including establishing relationships with colleges and universities to ease work burdens and create a talent pool for future recruitment. State legislators should consolidate elections so that they occur concurrently rather than repeatedly throughout the year. Local election officials should use existing professional networks such as state and national election official associations to improve working conditions and to better empower election officials to impact election policy. They should also hire staff to coordinate with these networks and focus on education, lobbying, and communication. Large, okay, finding number four, despite their foundational importance to our democratic system, local election officials carry an unsustainable workload compared to other professional staff. Large numbers of election officials have resigned in the past year raising alarm bells, but the wave of departures could soon turn into a tsunami. As of 2020, almost 35% of local election officials were eligible to retire by the 2024 election. It is not clear who will replace them, not whether those willing, not whether those willing to take a job in the future will share the commitment to free and fair elections that was so critical in 2020. While election officials cited many reasons for leaving the field, the unsustainable workload came up repeatedly in our interviews. Key solutions. States should explore structural changes to election administration to insulate election officials from political interference, including changes that establish a protected scope of authority for election officials, overcounting and certifying elections, and guarantee a minimum level of funding. Citizen-sponsored ballot initiatives may be required to make these changes. Election, election officials should develop a robust code of ethics to help guide discretionary decision-making avoid potential conflicts of interest. State should ensure that election officials have adequate legal representation to defend against politically motivated lawsuits and investigations and election official associations should cultivate and organize pro bono legal assistance to the extent that states fail to do so. 
Finding number three, election officials increasingly face pressure to prioritize partisan interests over a fair democratic process. A notorious recorded phone call during which Donald Trump pressured Georgia's Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger to find 11,780 votes because we won the state is only the most well-known and most flagrant effort to pressure an election official in 2020 to prioritize partisan interests over a fair democratic process. In our discussions with election officials, many shared their own stories of partisan actors attempting to interfere with the conduct of the election to forward pressure them to favor candidates of a particular party. Key solutions. The Department of Homeland Security, Cybersecurity, and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, working with with others, including the U.S. Vote Foundation, the Election Infrastructure Information Sharing Analysis Center, EIISAC, the Election Assistance Commission, EAC, and state and national election officials Association should facilitate the creation of a directory of the more than 8,000 election officials who are authoritative sources on the elections they administer. Internet companies should work with officials in those organizations to correct falsehoods and better assure accurate content. States should clarify rules that govern party appointed monitors and require training accountability. In 2020, some party appointed monitors who serve as observers before, during, and after election day became sources of disinformation at times unwittingly. Internet companies named in social media platforms and search engines should develop and consistently apply transparent rules that respond to the problem of repeated misinformation and disinformation spreaders, including prominent users. In severe cases, platforms should automatically delay the publication of posts, providing time to review them before countless users have a chance to see them. Finding number two. This information has made election officials' job more difficult and more dangerous. In 2020, political actors ramped up the lives about election processes to try to influence election outcomes, often on social media. But this, this, this disinformation has, has indelibly changed the lives and careers of election officials. Indeed, 78% of election officials surveyed by the Brennan Center said that social media where misinformation, disinformation about elections both took root and spread has made their job more difficult. 54% say, said they believe that it has made their jobs more dangerous. Internet and media companies have a great deal of work to do to stem the amplification of this information. Here, you know, here, you know, I just told y'all about the list of key steps that they, along with the federal and state governments, can take to empower election officials in the struggle. I just read to you those solutions. Key solutions, the Department of Justice, DOJ, should create an election threats task force to work with federal, state, local parties to prioritize identifying investigating and prosecuting threats against election work officials and workers. States should pass new laws and appropriate funds to provide greater personal security for election officials and workers. Such measures should include providing greater protection of personally identifiable information, grants to purchase home intrusion detection systems, and funds for training and education related to maintaining great personal security. States should prioritize implementing processes to coordinate swift investigation where appropriate prosecution of those responsible for threats to election workers. Finding number one, violent threats against election workers reached an alarming level in 2020-2021. A survey of election officials commissioned by the Brennan Center conducted by Benison Strategy Group this spring found that one in three election officials feel unsafe because of their job and nearly one in five listed threats to their lives as a job-related concern. What can be done? Over the past few months, the Brennan Center for Justice, by policy, the Bipartisan Policy Center, and Harvard Kennedy School's Ash Center for 
ASH, Center for Democratic Governance and Innovation, explored this question, interviewing and hosting conversations with nearly three dozen election officials and over 30 experts in democracy, election administration and technology, cybersecurity, disinformation, international elections, behavioral science, and criminal procedure. We identified four overlapping areas of concern that threaten the integrity of election administration in the United States. Each one represents a separate section of this report. Violent threats against election workers and their families, disinformation about election administ administration, partisan and political interference, and challenges to keeping and recruiting talented workers committed to fairness in elections. We summarize some of the most important findings and recommendations in this report below. Al Schmidt, the Republican City Commissioner of Philadelphia, might seem unlikely light rock for the 2020 election. The married father, through described by local media as a quote-unquote bespectacled bureaucrat, is one of three commissioners responsible for overseeing election-related affairs for the city. A decades-long Republican, he prided himself on bringing transparency to Philadelphia's election processes. Threats against Schmidt and his Board of Elections colleagues began before Election Day, November 3, 2020. About a week prior, someone left an ominous phone message stating that the board members were the reason why we have the Second Amendment, in quotations. Shortly after that, police arrested two men in Philadelphia after receiving an FBI tip that they were making threats against the Pennsylvania Convention Center where ballots were being counted. The men were armed with two loaded semi-automatic Beretta pistols, one semi-automatic AR-15 style rifle and ammunition at the time of the arrest. In the days after Philadelphia was called for President Biden, Schmidt appeared in the media to defend the integrity of the election. Donald Trump and his campaign called out Schmidt and members of the staff. Stalkers tracked down the cell phone numbers of Schmidt and the staff member who's Jewish, which ignited a wave of menacing and often anti-Semitic attacks. Schmidt and his family received death threats. One text message which mentioned his wife and children read, You lied. You a traitor. Perhaps 75 cuts and 20 bullets will soon arrive. His wife received the following threats via email the next morning. Albert Rhino Schmidt will be fatally shot and heads on spikes, treasonous Schmidt's. A 24-hour security detail remained that Schmidt's is in his parents' house well into 2021. For their safety, his wife and children left their home after the election. Al Schmidt's is not an exceptional case. Around the country, election officials have been under attack in the last year. Long used to staying in the background, they have now found themselves cast as villains scapegoated for election outcomes that some politicians and voters did not like. The most troubling and impactful villainization of election officials in the last year has come from some of America's political leaders. Many have pointed to Donald Trump's attempt to, dele to delegitimize the 2020 election results as rigged and the stop the steal movement he inspired as a reason for targeting election officials. But the problem goes far deeper than one person. In several states, party leaders have censored and I'm sorry if you are engaging in pure evil you're not a person you're an evil spirit so let me go reread this to correct myself but the problem goes far deeper than one evil spirit in several states party leaders have censored and replaced officials who insisted on telling the truth about the security and accuracy of the election Legislators have introduced bills that would impose criminal penalties on election officials and workers 
for taking steps like practically sending small ballot applications to voters or under certain circumstances, purchasing advertisements about upcoming elections on social media platforms like Twitter or Facebook. Finally, and most troubling for the future of our democracy, state legislators across the nation have taken steps to strip election officials of the power to run, count, and certify elections, consolidating power in their own hands over processes intended to be free of partisan or political interference. All this represents a moral danger to American democracy, which cannot survive without public servants who can freely and fairly run our elections. We must ensure that they feel not only safe, but supported, appreciated for their vital efforts. I'll be, you know, I'll definitely a future a future episode on this because there's so much to say about this. But um, I'm so grateful that you know how I feel. A lot of times when I do episodes, the writing is so good that they speak a lot of my thoughts. Only that's why with some of my episodes I don't really comment a lot because it's that perfectly written, you know. And I try to slow down when I read, but I just get so into it that it's difficult, but I'm working on it. And uh, thank you for letting me share. I'm going to do another episode on this in the future.